0: Good tidings everyone this is Michael Gobier from the hey it's Enrico Palazzo fantasy baseball podcast and you're listening to pop goes your world if you haven't already subscribe on iTunes and while you're there please leave us a rating and review and now it's time for our feature presentation I'm Chris McBrien and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me and I'm Derek Myers And I'm
1: here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation.
0: Episode 184 Movie Winning Streaks. Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Derek, how are you, my friend? Good, Chris. How are you doing tonight? Oh, good. Good, 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 good. What's new and exciting in the world of pop culture for you, my friend? Well, I've been uh, been pretty busy uh, with
1: my work. I'm coming up to summer vacation, so as is always the case, when you're going to go on vacation, you got to put in a little extra hours to make things run smoothly while you're away. And so I haven't had a lot of time to do pop culture stuff because I've been busy with work, but... I did have an opportunity to revisit one of my and one of your all-time favorite movies ever. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, you watched Raiders of the Lost Ark last week? Uh, Yeah, so... The One of the podcasts that I I enjoy that I've mentioned a few times on this podcast is called The Rewatchables. It's on The Ringer with Bill Simmons. Mm -hmm. And they did uh, an episode this week about the 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And believe me, you want to feel old? Raiders is 40. So I I heard them. I listened to their episode. I loved it. Uh, They did a great deep dive of the movie. And I was like, I got to go back and watch this movie again. So I sat down and I enjoyed it again for... Geez, if if the over and under was 50, it's got to be over. And uh, yeah, this movie, you know, there are some movies that people would say are perfect. This to me is probably on that list. It is a perfect movie or it is very close to being
0: a there is not there's not a single flawed scene line moment in that movie. It's perfect.
1: I mean, there are some little bits that you could nitpick. But I would hold just about any other movie up to Raiders. And I'm sorry, Raiders of the Lost Ark is gonna be the the champion every time in that head-on head head-to-head battle. So yeah, it it was it was a fun, enjoyable revisit of a movie I love, a movie that I've seen many times. It, it was just it was like uh, wrapping yourself in a warm blanket and just uh, <laughs> feeling comfortable and safe. It's, it's I'm, such I'm, a good movie. I'm
0: so glad you mentioned Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it, just go figure, because I we don't know what each other is going to talk about when we come into this show. And it's funny, because just this week, I was thinking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I was thinking, have we done Raiders of Lost Ark on this podcast? And I... I thought, I don't think we have. And I went back through the archives and I found out that we did. Like, it was before you joined us. It was when Yancey was on the show. One of our early shows, I had him watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I was like, I don't remember doing that show. I don't remember recording it. I don't remember talking about it. What the heck did I say? So I went back and I listened to it just this past week. So I just listened to it just briefly, just a little bit at the beginning, because I couldn't remember what Yancey's take on it was. And Yancey didn't like it. What? Yep. And I listened to just the maybe the first 10 minutes of the show and then I just turned it off because I was like, I was just angry at that, that millennial. And he, he was like, no, I don't like it. It's not that good. Indiana Jones has no impact on the plot in any way and blah, blah, blah. And it's just not that good. I don't know why you like it so much, Chris. I'm like, oh, geez, I tell you. So, wow. Go figure. I just, he's just totally wrong. So anyway, just funny that yeah. you mentioned Raiders of the Lost Ark and I was just kind of went through that this week. So.
1: Well, it, I, I do remember one of your very first shows, like probably in the first 10 episodes, one mm-hmm. of your earliest top five lists was uh, top five best opening sequences in a movie. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember you and I spoke about it when you would just and you and you was like, yeah, there's our topic. And I said, oh, you've got to Rate of the Lost Ark in there. He's like you said, like, don't worry, that's in there. And I think it was either your number one or your number two. Number one, maybe. Yeah, uh, Yeah, it's it, again, it's it's so good. And then just like you, I thought, maybe we should do that as a movie review. And I'm like, nah, it's just going to be two guys gushing about their favorite movie for 90 mm-hmm. minutes. Who wants to hear that? Like, just go watch the movie. Yeah, so. exactly. Anyway, so. so in addition to that, mm-hmm. I did have a chance to see a documentary. For
0: 40 days and 40 nights, he documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's Documentaries. Derek's Documentaries. Ken Burns must be your favorite director of all time because you watch a lot of documentaries. I, I've never watched anything by Ken Burns, but what? I am aware of his work. Man, what about? Ba- have you not seen baseball? You're a baseball fan. You're a baseball fan, right? I mean, not like me. I mean, yeah, like I'm a you know, diehard baseball fan. But um, the he, Ken Burns did a documentary called Baseball, and it's in, it's in nine different segments in the nine innings. Right from the inception, like the the when the, the game was invented, through the Negro Leagues and like all the, and then it ends in um, 1992 when the Blue Jays won the first World Series that they won, and oh, it's so good. Ken Burns documentaries are really really good. That's his best one by far, I think.
1: But man. well, I, again, I'm familiar with his work. I, I've just never sat down to watch them, and I probably will at some point,
0: but yeah. just not yet. Oh, so what documentary so, did you watch then? If it wasn't Ken Burns?
1: So oh. as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the A&E channel is doing a series of biographies about professional wrestlers, wrestlers who were big in like the 80s and 90s. Yes. Yeah, you mentioned Stone and, Cold
0: Steve Austin, I think. Yeah, one. that
1: was the first one I did with Stone Cold Steve
0: Austin. That was a little bit after my time. I'm more yeah. like an 80s Hulk Hogan kind of guy, but okay.
1: Yeah, and so I, there was five or six or seven episodes, and there's still a couple more coming. I saw previews for a couple more coming up this week. And so I had a chance to watch a few of the ones that I had on my PVR. So I watched uh, the one on the ultimate warrior, not a wrestler I was really at all familiar with. So that was totally brand new to me. And the other one was on the wrestler who went by the name mankind. He's no, his real name is Mick Foley.
0: And that was wow, a bit after well, my time too, he was weird yeah. and like, yeah.
1: Yeah. The ultimate warrior one was, you know, it, it didn't surprise me. It was like, it talked about his life and how he was, you know, a, a young kid and he, and he got picked on and he was left out and then he got into bodybuilding and then he got into wrestling and then he, you know, had his huge ego and then he got into like talk radio. And it's just like, you, as you're watching it, you're like, Oh, okay. This makes sense that this was this guy's next step based on what you're seeing. Right. And, and that's, and he was the champion. He was the champion of the wrestler from one point, like he beat Hulk Hogan and had the title. So like he was a big deal in his day. But again, I didn't really know much about him. So it was interesting. But the one on Mick Foley was really fascinating. Like this guy, this guy made his bones by being the punching bag. Like he, he made made everybody else look good. Mm -hmm. And it turned out the guy is quite intelligent and he was a really good storyteller. And he was really good at help coming up with like the, the storylines for the wrestling. And he had a couple of different personas and he was always willing to, to do a more dangerous thing in and out of the ring and, uh, I, again, I'd sort of seen little bits and pieces of his life over the years. There've been a number of specials and biographies and such, but this was, this was just fantastic. Like this guy's life is, is just incredible. And he's, he's written, uh, there've been a couple of books written about him, one of which he wrote himself. And then he's gone on to do like children's books and stuff now. And, uh, and he was doing like crisis counseling for years after he got out of wrestling. It's like, this guy is just he's got so much to offer and, and just, Anyway, it's it's it was fascinating and they were both they were both quite good. The Mick Foley one especially was quite good. So I think I think the last one I've got to watch is on uh, Bret Hart. And uh, I think that's the last one. But this series has been quite good. So if you've got the A&E channel, I would say check these wrestling biographies out. Even if you're not a big wrestling fan, they are really good, high quality, great entertainment.
0: Oh, man. I th- You know, now you got me thinking because you mentioned mankind started off as a jobber. You know, a guy that just get beat up, right? And you know, make the other guys look good. There yeah, was some he, really Cactus Jack was his his persona when he first started. Cactus Jack, that was we yeah. started notice as. Yeah, there was some really good jobbers back in the '80s. Now you weren't a big wrestling guy, but let me tell you, anybody that liked wrestling, you know, and, and is a Gen Xer like me, would probably remember some of these guys like Mario Mancini, and I remember Barrio. And then there was this guy this one guy from Canada. He was he called himself Canada's greatest athlete, Iron Mike Sharp. And he would just yell when he was in the ring. And they would just like throw me like Arr! and he these terrible jobbers. Oh man, that was good. Oh jeez. You never liked wrestling all that much though, did you? No, no, I never really, uh, never really
1: my thing. Uh, My brother was into it a fair amount and a lot of his peer group was really into it. But no, my, my friends, we were more nerdy. We were into, Mm -hmm. you know, games and comic books and things of your brother sometime
0: about Mario Mancini, Barry O and Iron Mike Sharp and just see what he says. All right, fair enough. All right, let me know, let me know how that works. So, okay, here's what I got for you. Here's your dad joke of the week. Derek, how can you tell how heavy a red-hot chili pepper is. Um, I have no idea. Give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away now. Mm. I I love how even
1: in the weeks when there's no song, you find a way to sing.
0: (laughs) Give it away. Away! Uh Uh-huh. Away? Can I give you away? (laughs) a little Canadian show called Shits Creek. You can say Shits Creek but you can't say
1: Wow, you're really dating yourself here, bud. Shits Creek is awesome. As what are you talking about? Have you not seen
0: Ryan Reynolds' film career? Apparently my son has no soul. Just
1: let
0: you it all, you're not recording this, are you? No. No, never. Like that's that's criminal. I know. <laughs> we basically have the same bone structure from the waist up, I presume. Most people won't question. It. It's all ball bearings now. All right Derek we were throwing around some ideas recently for for a show topic that you know we, we could do and you came up with the idea of winning streaks and we decided to kind of narrow it down to movie winning streaks so since it was your idea do you want to maybe just explain this idea for yeah, us a little bit yeah for sure yeah, please so Uh, again, I listen to a lot of pop culture
1: podcasts. I watch a lot of shows where they, they analyze uh, the careers of various people in the film industry. And one of the things that often gets held up as a, almost like a trophy of how good somebody is, is you go back and you say like, this person was in these six movies in a row that were all big hits. And this one along the way got nominated for an award or this one, this person got nominated for uh, an Oscar or something of that nature. Um, and the, the, it's not just that they've had a tremendous amount of set success. What's almost as important is the fact that they have not had any missteps or duds or or problems along the way. It's not, hey, they have made 12 movies and nine of them were great. It was they did eight movies and all eight were fantastic. No missteps along the way. And so as we were talking about it a little bit, what we what the, the proposal was, Can we find and obviously we did, but can we find a performer, a creator, somebody involved with the movie making process that has a phenomenal winning streak with no losses, no duds, no missteps? Now, let's not say they've never had any of those, but that have a long enough winning streak, consecutive winning streak in their career. You go to their IMDb page, which is listed by year. You can find a string of Hits, and I mean like bonafide hits, movies where it either opened number one at the box office, made a crazy amount of money, was nominated for a substantial award, be it a a performing award, a best picture award, a best director award, a best screenplay, something of that nature. Something that you can genuinely argue each movie on this particular winning streak was a hit in one way or another and that people can't just – poke a hole in it and so that was the homework was find five people that meet this criteria and and let's let's hold it up let's talk about it let's let's go through their list and so that that's our idea of the winning streak
0: okay so we decided to do this in our regular format of a top five list we'll let you kick things off so who is your number five movie winning streak who did you go so I want to do an honorable mention before Mm. we get
1: into the list. I got a couple too. There's so many. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, this, this, this topic is a good topic when you start to think about it. Like there's a Mm. lot to choose from. Um, So one of the The research was fun. Yeah. The research was a lot of fun. I had to look up certain movies on certain people's lists and go, what was that about? Oh my God, it made $200 million. Well, I guess it's a hit or, or other ones where you think they're a hit and then you look them up and they're not. So one of the people that I instantly wanted to put on this list but unfortunately didn't quite make the cut was Amy Adams. So I had you watch the movie arrival Mm -hmm. with Amy Adams. I know you didn't really care for it, but I think it's fantastic. It's still in my mind. It's still one of my favorite movies. Amy Adams has been nominated for an Academy award six times in her career. She is a gifted performer and I'm looking at her IMDB and I'm like, perfect. I found a stretch. Unfortunately, there's nine, eight, eight or nine movies here, and there's one dud in the middle. And if there wasn't, she would be the perfect example. So for her, from 2008 to 2012, I'm going to leave out the dud, but she has the movie Doubt, where she's nominated for an Oscar, Night at the Museum, that grosses $400 million, Julie and Julia, which grosses $130 million, and Meryl Streep gets nominated for an Oscar, The Fighter, which she gets nominated for an Oscar, The Muppet Movie makes $165 million a movie called On the Road which was nominated for the Palme d'Or uh, best movie at the at the Cannes Film Festival and then in 2012 she does The Master where she's again nominated for an Oscar. So this eight, uh, this 5-year stretch is phenomenal. Unfortunately, right in the middle of there she made a movie called Leap Year which pff, bombed. So unfortunately her streak got interrupted by a misstep. Otherwise, she would be a perfect example of exactly what we're talking about so i felt she deserved an honorable mention even mm-hmm. though she didn't quite qualify given sort of the rules
0: we're working with okay so so who'd you go with for your number five then okay i was gonna say do you want to do your honorable mention um, i have definitely? a couple but i don't want to i don't know again we don't share our lists, so i don't know who your lists are so i don't know okay. if i should mention them now or later what do you okay, think? okay okay
1: well, why don't you do yours later? Because uh, I have figured with mine, I knew Amy Adams being a more recent performer was less likely to be on your list. <laughs> if they think. <laughs> yeah, I do. OK. OK, so my number five. I, I, let me tell you, for the most part on this, mm-hmm. my first two are textbook answers all the way. And okay. I just wanted to get them right out of the way. Otherwise, you would know who my top picks were. So my number five winning streak, Eddie Murphy. Oh,
0: that's a good one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we've talked about this before, so I don't think we have to dwell on it Mm -hmm. too much. So from 1984 to 1992, I'm just going to read you the list. See, I thought of him, but there was a dud in there, I thought. But go ahead. Well, okay, And I'll tell you why I I think we're still good. Beverly Hills Cop, The Golden Child, Mm -hmm. Eddie Murphy Raw, the stand-up comedy, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Coming to America, Harlem Nights, another 48 hours, and then Boomerang, maybe, maybe not, depending on who you're talking to. So mm. of those eight movies, the first seven all opened at number one, the week they came out. So even though the golden child may not have been the best movie and people may not have loved it, it was number one for five weeks. It made a ton of money. Good Harlem point. Knights, another Good one point. that had sort of a you know, a more selective audience. It opened at number one. Uh, you know, the Eddie Murphy, as we talked about in, in, the I think when we did our Beverly Hills cop, uh, Uh, episode in the 80s he ruled he could do no wrong and this is this is the example like he he is absolutely when it comes to winning streaks this this mid 80s to early 90s just his run is phenomenal and although into the 90s he starts to make we'll say some questionable choices i think he's he you know it's you you new movies to get a paycheck or you you take on someone's project because you owe someone a favor or whatever again i don't know if those are the reasons that he made some of these movies but he had a few missteps in there along with some fantastic movies i mean the 90 professor movies were in there um but this this run in particular is just phenomenal so uh my number five pick for the winning streak is eddie murphy
0: I, I'm really surprised because like, I mean, he, he deserves to be on your list and I thought you were going to go with more earlier in his career. So you went a little bit later into the eighties. I thought you meant you were going to go right from the get-go and right from the get-go he was in 48 hours in Beverly Hills cop, but then he did deal of the century. And that was a dud. Otherwise, he would have had a, like more of a streak, you know, with things like trading places and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, and best defense was early as well. Like yeah, there was a few at the yeah. beginning
1: where it was a little
0: bit of a rocky start, but or yeah, best defense. When I was, what I'd say deal in the century, that's what I meant. Yeah. Best defense yeah. was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, that's good. You know, <clears throat> okay. Um, my number five, I'm going to go with Meryl Streep.
1: Oh, okay? good pick.
0: Not only one of the most celebrated actresses of her generation, obviously, but she's probably one of the greatest actresses that ever lived. And if you look back for a stretch there in like the late seventies into the early eighties, like she could do no wrong. Not, not that she's ever made a real stinker of a movie anyway. I mean, I don't, I don't personally care for Mamma Mia, but I, you can't really call it a stinker. I mean, it made a like, lot of money yeah, it people a lot to see and it, a sequel. Right? They got a sequel. Yeah. Right. So, um, but if you're, if you're talking about a streak of really strong movies and really, really good performances, I think Meryl Streep is the person I want to start with so not only did she have a great winning streak it was a winning streak right from the get-go because her first major role in a movie was in 1978's The Deer Hunter which won best picture and was nominated for nine academy awards including one for her you know for best supporting actress now she lost to Maggie Smith uh, for California Suite*. oh by the way Derek that year, Maureen Stapleton was also nominated for interiors. She was the one from Johnny Dangerously. Remember I mentioned last the other oh, week yes, and you yes, never, heard, yes, of yes. never heard of her? her. anyway, uh, Meryl Streep. So she follows up the deer hunter with the seduction of Joe Tynan in 79, Manhattan with Woody Allen and also in 79, Kramer versus Kramer again in 79, which she won best supporting actress for. And then the French lieutenant's woman, in 1981, nominated for Best Actress. Catherine Hepburn won for On Golden Pond. which was So good. Um, And then in 1982, Meryl Streep was in two movies, Still of the Night with Roy Scheider and Sophie's Choice, and she won the Best Actress Oscar for that one. And then she followed up with Silkwood in 83, where she was nominated for Best Actress again. She lost to Shirley MacLaine for uh, Terms of Endearment. Any way you slice it, that is one hell of a streak for any actor, especially at the beginning of a Hollywood film career. So my number five was an easy one. It was a slam dunk, and it was Meryl Streep.
1: Nice. Yeah, a lot of those early movies she was in, I'm just not familiar with. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad you—I'm glad uh, you—I figured you were going to sort of cover some performers in that 70s, 80s. It's kind of my thing. Yeah, yeah. And I (laughs) looked—honestly, I looked looked at Meryl Streep because, again— you know that she's going to have this gigantic winning streak, but especially in her early career, I just, I'm not as familiar with a lot of those movies. So I thought, I think Chris is going to put her on his yeah. list and sure yeah. enough, you did. So I there did. we go. She got, yeah. she got recognized. She got yeah. her due. Oh, she was all great. right. Okay. You're number four. What do you got? My number four is the ultimate textbook answer. Mm-hmm. In fact, it, it's kind of hard to not have them at number one, but I think it's more fun to just get my two textbook answers right out of the way. Mm-hmm. So my number four textbook answer for her best and longest streak is Tom Hanks. Yes. Like
0: that's a good okay. one.
1: Yeah. So we're t- we're, I'm going to, this is a 20 year span from 1992 mm-hmm. to 2002. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read you through 14 movies in a row without a stinker. Along the way, he gets nominated for a best actor in a leading role four times, wins it twice in back-to-back years mm-hmm. there. You know, at this point he can do no wrong. Like, okay, so let's start 92. He does a league of their own, the baseball movie. 1993 to sleep with sleepless in Seattle, 1993. Also, he does Philadelphia wins the Oscar 1994. Okay. He does Forrest Gump wins the Oscar. Okay. So in back-to-back years, he gets nominated twice. He wins twice. At this point, he's writing his own ticket. He can do whatever he wants. He decides to do Apollo 13 which is a passion project. He does, uh, does that great big, you know, superstar blockbuster hit. Then he goes on to do toy story, the voice of Woody in toy story, which, you know, that's, that's always a risk about, am I going to do a, how's his voice work going to go? But you could argue that that, you know, changed his career in the most positive way. It opened up Tom Hanks to a younger audience, uh, who would grow up to, to, you know, to love him as Woody. Uh, then he goes on to do that thing you do, which he, if I remember correctly, wrote, directed and produced as well as starred in. He does Saving Private Ryan in 1998, where he gets another Oscar nom, moves on to You Got Mail, going back to that rom-com thing, does Toy Story 2, back to there, Green Mile, 1999, Mm -hmm. cast away in 2000, he gets nominated again, carries an entire movie where it's just him on the screen for the better part of an hour. Mm -hmm. Like There's not many people that could do that. 2002, he does the road to perdition and catch me. If you can catch me, if you can, uh, obviously a big hit road to perdition, a little less so, but it does get a lot of critical acclaim. And, uh, in that 20 year span, like that's 14 films. I've, I've seen all of them. I think I saw all of them in the movie theater. I think most of those I own or owned on DVD or on video, like Tom Hanks is a performer that when he's in a movie, you're going to go see it. And like this streak is phenomenal. Like there are very few people that can do what he did in this stretch. And uh, yeah, I mean, arguably he should be number one, but I, I, he needed to be acknowledged. So I'm acknowledging him. I put him at number four. I got a couple
0: other people that I want to talk about in the, in the lower positions, but that's my number four pick Tom Hanks. That's a good one. And again, you surprised me because you went with more of his later stuff. Like I was thinking you mentioned Tom Hanks. I just go right back to the eighties. And I think, you know, like when he was in like Bachelor Party, you yeah. know, in movies like that and, and Splash. But I mean, he had some duds in there, too, like the burbs and things like that. But uh, mm-hmm. oh, that's a good one. No, definitely. on. The, OK, tell you what, my number four, I'm going to get jiggy with my number four pick. I'm going with Will Smith. Nice. Oh, pick. man, I tell you, for a time there in the 90s, he was the biggest box office star in the world. He had a run of movies from '93 to '99 that were all either very good or very popular or both, and it really, it all started with his um, with his debut in Six Degrees of Separation. Oh, in '93, so good in that. Oh man, oh man, I, you know, he's known for being this like big time action star, but this guy is also a really talented actor. And and if if all you know him for is the big ball blockbuster movies i would say go back and watch six degrees of separation because he was really really good really anymore. good he oh was really God. good there
1: was there were, i remember there was discussion about him getting an oscar nomination for that he, he didn't been. but yeah, he should but i been. remember there was a yep. lot of people saying he got snubbed it was yeah. like well he's young he hasn't put in mm-hmm. his dues and he maybe he's a flash in the pan and it's like no that was just a glint of what was coming
0: yes i agree so then he followed up that with bad boys with martin lawrence in 95 Independence Day was the biggest blockbuster of ninety-six. So much money. Oh god. And Men in Black was huge in ninety-seven. Enemy of the State came out in ninety-eight. And then Wild Wild West came out in ninety-nine. Now you could argue that Wild Wild West was crappy, but it made a boatload of money. Oh, and it had a ridiculous song. Of money. I love the song in it. So yeah. I, oh no. man, when I used to DJ at the bar, I used to sing along to that song all the time when I played. Probably one of the reasons why I don't DJ at the bar anymore. But but anyway, Will Smith is my number four for movie winning streaks on your number.
1: Yeah, three. that that's that's a great pick. I yeah. mean, in the mid nineties, there the July fourth so weekend was Will Smith weekend. Like people, no other movie would open up except the Will Will Smith movie because he had such a proven track record. After he did Independence Day, Men in Black, and I can't remember what the third one was, but there was three in a row. Where it's like, or maybe it was Bad Boys before that. It was like boom, 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 and it's like, okay, we're putting out a Will Smith movie on July Fourth weekend next year. Everyone else was like, okay, we're gonna, we're just gonna step out of the way and give it to him. Like, he was, he was the man. I mean, he's still the man, but he was the man in the nineties. That is a great pick. Yeah.
0: Okay, number three. All right. What do you
1: got? My number three. Yes. Sandra Bullock. Oh wow. I find that uh, often on our lists, the ladies don't get enough due. So I wanted to make sure that I had a a strong female performer on this list. And as we mentioned at the top, I thought Amy Adams was my lock until I I realized she had a little misstep in there, but Sandra Bullock has a phenomenal run from 2009 till now with maybe a slight stumble, but I wouldn't, we'll, we'll get to that. So obviously She's proven that she can. Uh, she can be a movie star. She's proven that she can carry movies. She's. She. Uh, you know. She's in speed with Keanu Reeves in the in the early nineties or mid nineties, and like it's a huge movie. She starts doing a bunch of rom coms, and she does. You know, a couple of she does like the net and a couple other things that are not great, but they make okay money. But
0: she's got a screen. I think. It and, one.
1: Uh, yeah. Again. Yeah. So it's like she's sort of finding her footing and. Every time she does a movie, they're making money, and you know she's a good performer and she's easy on the eyes, and so people are going to see her. Then in 2009, she does *The Blind Side*. She gets nominated for and wins the Oscar for Best Leading Actress. Have you seen *The Blind Side*, Chris? No. Oh my God. Okay, we're gonna watch that in the not too distant future. When did when great... she do? She did *Crash* before that, right? Yes, there was. A couple other ones she did really that were like, crash. yeah, she had a few where she was really good, but then unfortunately a couple of missteps getting into there. Okay. So, but I'm going to start with the blind side. Okay. So 2009, she does the blind side based on the Michael Lewis book and it's a phenomenal movie. She gives a great performance. She gets nominated for and wins an Oscar. Great. The next year, uh, two years later, in 2011, she does a movie called Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. And I thought, oh, that must have been a misstep. Then I look it up. It was nominated for Best Picture. I'm like, OK, so we're going we're to forgive that. That's not a misstep at all. Then 2013, she does a, she goes back to her comedy roots. She does The Heat with Melissa McCarthy. It's got a $40 million budget. It makes $230 million. So again, a huge comedy hit after doing these two heavy dramas. That same year, she puts out Gravity, gets nominated for an Oscar again, doesn't win. 2015, she does the same thing Tom Hanks did. She does voice work in the Minions movie. Then in 2015, a little bit of a hiccup, she does Our Brand is Crisis, which is a movie which is a fictional retelling of a documentary. Documentary was very critically acclaimed. So again, it's sort of her flexing our muscles to do a, a political, a satire type movie. Uh, then she does Ocean's 8. Obviously, the, the all-female sort of retake on the Ocean's Eleven trope. And then in 2018, same year, she does Bird Box, which is like the biggest movie on Netflix for months. So if we say our brand is Crisis is the Hiccup, then she goes from 2009, 2015, five solid outings. If we give her that sort of you know stumble on our brand is Crisis, then she gets two more movies out of that, three more movies out of that. She got this eight-movie run that lasts 11 years. She is at the top of her game. She's obviously one of the most talented and probably one of the highest paid actresses working today. She's very selective about what she does. Obviously, she's not pumping out movies every year. But when you've got this much power, you've demonstrated you have this much of a track record. When you have this much of a winning streak, you get to call the shots. She's clearly calling the shots. Sandra Bullock, my number three pick.
0: I like that. That's a good one. All right, my number three. Uh, If you've learned anything about me, Over the years, listening to this podcast, you know that I love comedies from the 70s and 80s, and when I think about those comedies from that time, I think of one person, and that's Bill Murray. Nice. So, let's just run down his streak of comedy movies. We're going to start with my personal favorite, and Bill Murray's first starring role, and that's Meatballs in 1979, which I just love, and then Caddyshack in 1980, Stripes in 1981, Tootsie in 82, and Ghostbusters in 84. Now, his streak of these amazing comedies ended in 84 when he uh, decided to try his hand at some drama when he did the, um, it was like the second time that was adapted uh, W. Somerset Maugham's novel, The Razor's Edge. It wasn't very good. It was a bomb and audiences just couldn't buy Bill Murray in a dramatic role. Um, But regardless, from 79 until 1984, Bill Murray had this comedy streak that's basically unsurpassed in Hollywood history you know in terms of comedies at least in my, in, in from my point of view you know i love those those comedy films so much so it's it and it really set the tone i think or it set the standard you know for comedies of the 80s and i think bill murray was a big part of that and and his streak was was sort of drove you know a lot of the comedies from the 80s so i'm going with bill murray so he was my number 3 nice that's what a you got good for pick. number 2 yeah i'd like i like so again
1: my number 2 this is kind of mm-hmm. a textbook answer and right. and I think people will often, if you ask someone, this is someone that they would probably put near the top of their list. He's got two amazing streaks. So I'm going to talk about both of them. This okay. is movie director, Steven Spielberg. Oh, yes. Okay. So we talked about him a little bit already. We talked about Indiana Jones. Uh, we talked about Rage of the Lost Ark*, rather. So um, Spielberg, again, we've talked about him on a lot. Uh, arguably one of the best, if not the best director of our generation. He has made some stinkers along the way, which unfortunately makes his winning streaks tend to be a little shorter because, you know, you do a few amazing movies, you get a bomb, You have a few more amazing movies, you get a bomb. But he had a couple of very, very strong streaks in his career. Uh, and we're going to look at the first one here it goes from 1981 to 1989. Then he's got, unfortunately, a couple of stinkers. Then he goes again from 1993 to 2002. And these are both like you're not going to believe that Well, I mean, you will. But. These runs are phenomenal. So starting with 81, he does Rage of the Lost Ark, 81. E.T. the Extraterrestrial in 82. 1983, he directs a segment of the Twilight Zone movie, which did pretty well. Mm-hmm. 1984, he does the sequel, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. 1985, he does a color purple, nominated for awards up and down. 1987, he does Empire of the Sun, also nominated for awards up and down. And then 1989, Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. So now, in all fairness, three of those movies are from the same franchise, but that's a pretty impressive run. And you got to think, between Raiders of the Lost Ark and ET, like the the revenues he's generating out of those are ridiculous. Then 89, he does Always, both the ghost and the plane. Mm-hmm. 1981, he does the yeah. Peter Pan Hook remake. Eh, both kind of missteps along the way. Then 93 finds his footing and man oh man does he find his footing he does jurassic park and schindler's list in the same year again possibly two of the absolute best movies of the 1990s possibly two of the best movies of the last 30 years Yep. 1997 he does the sequel to jurassic park the last world the same year he does amistad one of my personal favorites 1998 he does saving private ryan 2001 ai artificial intelligence 2002 Minority Report with Tom Cruise and Colin Farrell, and 2002 same year Catch Me If You Can with his friend Tom Hanks and with Leonardo DiCaprio. Like that is an impressive run on its own right. But the fact that this is now his second winning streak run over the course of what's this 20 20 years, 21 years? Like that is like I can't. It's it's phenomenal this guy knows what he is doing. He, he is obviously at the top of his game and has been for 20 years. Like that
0: is a winning streak. If you're ever going to have one. So and Steven
1: Spielberg arguably could be number one.
0: Yeah. I'm, I got him a number two. If it wasn't for 1941 too, you could have, they went right from jaws and from jaws and, and close, close encounters, encounters and Raiders yep. Lost Ark And like, Oh geez, just 1941 yeah, yeah. was so Awful. Like it was so bad. All right. Number two, uh, I'm going to go with Harrison Ford. Okay. One of the highest grossing actors of all time. And for a a span of like five years in the early 80s, he was in some of the greatest films in the history of Hollywood, at least in my opinion. So it was going to start with 1980. So there was obviously The Empire Strikes Back, you know, and then he followed that up with Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981. Blade Runner in 82, Return of the Jedi in 83, Indiana Jones on the Temple of Doom in 84, and finally Witness in 1985. just <laughs> like, so good. Oh that is a strong God. outing. That and
1: is a very strong outing. Yeah, the,
0: honestly, I, I was going to put him on my list, but I was confident you were going to have him on yours. Yeah, well, go the, ahead. Th- the thing is, like you mentioned, like it's such a strong run, but not only is it is it such a strong run, the thing that sets him apart, at least for me, not only did he star in such like iconic and important films but they were all so different like a lesser actor would have been forever typecast as han solo not him you know he was equally believable as indiana jones rick deckard and john book and that is no easy task for any actor to do so not only did he create some amazing characters this was just an amazing streak of movies. So he clocks in, and he was for
1: nominated me. for an Oscar
0: for Witness, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was his only Oscar, his nom- only Oscar nomination ever. Yep. Yeah. No, that's that's an impressive run. God, that was good. Some of the best, some of my favorite movies. Like what an act, and like I say, just he's so different in all of them. Like, he, but the thing is, he's still Harrison Ford in all of them. But he's different. Like if you watch Witness and you watch Star Wars back to back, you don't even really acknowledge that it's the same guy like it's like those are different characters like it's just, that's incredible like uh, he's oh he's good okay hey and i i've watched empire strikes back and raiders of the
1: lost ark like in the same weekend and mm-hmm. it's exactly your point you 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 do not believe even, that that's
0: the same guy yeah, i mean you didn't there's think
1: certainly a little bit of his personality comes through and that's part of what
0: we love about him but yeah but, no, but you don't watch raiders so and go hey that's han solo you, no you, it not it at never, all even you watch witness at no point in the movie witness do I even, ever even, does it even creep into me that I think that's Han Solo or that's uh, Indiana Jones. No, it's John Book. Like, yep. <laughs> that's a pretty incredible thing to pull off. So Harrison Ford, number two. don't know your number one. I'm dying to know who you got for number one. All right.
1: My number one is, uh, so this is the second time that this person has made the number one on my top five list. Any guesses? Nah, don't bother guessing. I'll just tell you. Number one, director David Fincher. Oh, of course. You so David he was number one on my, uh, my directors and he's number one for my winning streaks. And essentially he has not had any duds on his resume when it comes to movie making. He's done some TV stuff where there's been maybe a few hiccups, but we're talking about the movies. So I'm going to read you. He's got, how many is this here? Eight, nine movies from ninth, starting in 1992 until today. Uh, well, 2020. Now mm-hmm. in all fairness, In the last few years, he hasn't worked as frequently. And I think that's partly why his streak is as strong as it is, is he's very selective about the kind of movies he wants to work on. He's very selective about taking on projects. And it's, um, you know, when you when you get a certain level of power and clout and authority and a reputation for for being a hitmaker and having this kind of a winning streak, you can demand the best of people. You can demand a particular uh, performer work in your project or, or people want to work with you. And I think that's really where we are with David Fincher over the last decade is his, his movies carry a certain amount of, uh, of gravitas and prestige. And so people want to want to work with him. So starting in 1992, his first feature film is the third movie in the alien franchise. So this arguably is his only real misstep, but the movie made a ton of money. So you had Ridley Scott who did the first Alien movie, and James Cameron who did the second Alien movie. You know, whoever they're bringing in for number three, it's got some pretty big shoes to follow. Unfortunately, he doesn't carry it as well as you might have hoped. So there's some 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 people love it, some people hate it. I personally like Alien three a lot, and I've learned I've, I've learned to enjoy it a lot more in the the years since as I've gone back to revisit it. So let's. For argument's sake, just take that one right off the list. So then we move to 1995. He's got seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Phenomenal movie. It's it becomes a video sensation. Uh, It basically, you know, launches careers for both of these guys who have both been doing very well. But oh, my God, fantastic. 1997, he does the game with Michael Douglas. Again, it's one of these sort of whodunit mystery kind of movies. Twist ending before twist endings are really becoming a thing. Great film. Panic Room in 2002, Zodiac in 2007, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, 2008, The Social Network in 2010, which arguably is the pinnacle of his career. Tons of accolades, nominations up up and down. And a lot of people, when they did um, lists of the best movies of the 2010s, The Social Network was on almost everybody's list. And many people said it was the best and the most important movie of the 2010s. 2011, he does The Girl with Dragon Tattoo, the English adaptation of the book, 2014, he does Gone Girl, again, a ton of critical acclaim. And then just this past year, he did the movie Mank, again, nominated for, for Oscars all over the place. Like, this is a phenomenal run of movies. These movies are great. So my number one pick, David Fincher, my favorite director,
0: arguably one of the best directors working right now. He's my number one for winning streaks. Nice. Well, we, it's funny because you've know, you mentioned before, David, you like David Fincher, but he, it's a little bit of a surprise. For your number one. So I think my number one might be a surprise too. So, Derek, you've often accused me of going with the textbook answers. So I, I've got one for you this week. Okay. Okay. The, the greatest streak of any actor of all time, as we mentioned, should include no duds, right? Right. No bad movies, no vanity projects. So uh, the thing is, if what if I was to tell you that there was an actor that every single movie that he was ever in was so good that every single one of those movies was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Because be, That's this impressive. This person exists, and his name is John Kazali. Okay. Nice. Now, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with his work or not, or if you're familiar with him at all, but he started acting in movies by appearing in The Godfather in 1972, which was obviously nominated for Best Picture. Yep. And then he went on to appear in Coppola's next film, which was The Conversation, nominated for Best Picture in 74. Same year, also uh, acts in The Godfather Part II, nominated for Best Picture. Then he was in Dog Day Afternoon, nominated for Best Picture in 75. And then he wrapped up his Hollywood career, career with The Deer Hunter, nominated for Best Picture in 78. So he's only appeared in five films in his career, and all five of them were nominated for for an Academy Award for Best Picture with three of them, The Godfather, Godfather Part Two and Deer Hunter, all taking home the gold for Best Picture. So I think if there was ever a winning streak in Hollywood, for me, it's John Kazali. His entire acting career is just a winning streak. That's all it is. So he's number one on my list.
1: That's fair. That's fair. And now, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, the reason he stopped working was that he he died at a fairly young age, right? Yes. He got sick. That's right. Yeah, I seem to remember that. When as soon as you start talking about it, I'm like, oh, that's the guy who plays Fredo, yeah, in The Godfather. So yeah, I, I, once I realized that's who it was, I, I think I had heard that uh, that before. So I mean, it's it's unfortunate, it's tragic that he he died at such a young age, um, and obviously uh, he was starting a phenomenal uh, uh, film career. But yeah, you're right you can't really knock that
0: uh, five. How do, you, how do you how do you only do five movies and all five of them are nominated for best picture? Like it's yeah. incredible! Like you obviously—that's crazy. That's quite a streak. You mentioned earlier before we go on to our our, our fun segment um, about uh, honorable mentions. I didn't oh, want yes, to mention any because because yeah. I didn't want to step on your toes. So sure. so uh, th- I really we didn't do too much. I wanted to give um, a shout out to a couple of. I, I thought about adding directors in. Ultimately, I went with all actors. I was thinking of Spielberg. I was also thinking of Hitch Hitchcock and Kubrick. But the one that really stood out to me too was Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner had a hell of yes. a run there. like just yes. incredible that's a good pick. Run, you know, right from from spinal tap, right up. And I wanted to give a shout out to Burt Reynolds, too. Between okay. 78 and 82, he had one hell of a streak, you know. And it wasn't until 1983 when he turned down the Jack Nicholson role in terms of endearment. Oh, in terms of endearment. Because yeah. he wanted to go in and he wanted to start in the stroke race. But that's when his streak came to an end, but he was a big box office star for a while there. But uh, anyway, so those are some of my, uh, and another one too, that stands out to me too, was Dustin Hoffman. If you look at in the seventies, he was in, in, um, in, in Papillon and Lenny and all the president's men and, and marathon man and Kramer versus Kramer and Tootsie, you know, uh, like, oh, he was just incredible. And, uh, you know, of course, Ishtar. One Of my favorites, you might say that the streak ended at Ishtar. I would say he kept it going strong because I love that movie so much. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just overall really, really good picks all around. I thought, thought we did a good job. So, what do you say now? We have some fun with caveman. All right, we're talking about winning streaks, obviously, this week. So, what I'm going to do uh, for you this week, Derek, I'm going to ask you some trivia questions. About winning streaks in Hollywood. Okay. 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 And we can, we'll vary this up a little bit. So there's a little bit of different stuff going on, but lots of different winning streaks. Okay. And records and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So this actor holds the record for the most consecutive $100 million grossing films. Can you name the actor? Um, Tom Hanks. No, I'm sorry. It was Will Smith. Oh, he was my backup pick. Yeah, Will Smith from 2002 until 2008. Men in Black 2, Bad Boys 2, I Robot, Shark Tale, Hitch, The Pursuit of Happiness, I Am Legend, and Hancock. All made $100 million or more at the box wow. office. It's just incredible. Incredible. All right. So uh, here's, maybe this one should be easy. I don't know for you. So if you consider worldwide box office receipts... Derek, what director has grossed more money than any other in movie history?
1: Oh, it's got to be Spielberg.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's not only that, ten billion dollars worldwide. Oh,
1: yeah, and I'll bet if you look at whoever the number two, three, and four people are on that list, if you add those numbers together, it's probably still not as close as Spielberg.
0: Uh, number two is is almost half. It's is six billion. Is the Russo brothers that did Avengers? Oh, uh, okay, that's NBA, fair. So. And then Peter Jackson's on the list, and other guys. Okay, all right. So here's here's more of a newer one for you. You're gonna like this. This actor was nominated for three straight Academy Awards for his performances in films between 2012 and 2014. Can you name him? Wow. Uh,
1: hmm. Okay. Give me a second to think about this. 2012 to 2004. Daniel
0: Day Lewis. No, I'm sorry. It's Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, Silver linings, linings Playbook, is, he, American yeah. Hustle in 2013, and American Sniper. Yeah.
1: He didn't make my list. I want. I thought, oh, I'm going to put Bradley Cooper on the list, but no, he had a few uh, a few stinkers along the way.
0: All right, I got one for you. This actor has appeared in films that have collectively grossed more money than any other actor in history. Can you name Harrison that? Ford? Harrison Ford. No, I'm sorry, it's Samuel L. Jackson. Oh yeah, jeez. Because remember Just sheer volume of work. Well, not only that, he he appears oh, he's at the been in end all every movies. Avenger movie at the yeah. end credits, so yeah. they all count, right? Yeah. All right, here I'm going to give you. You like betting, and you like you know the range in betting, you know, sure. like the over under and all. You an over and under? So I, I'm going to go within two. I'm going to give you a little bit of range. So within two, how many Oscars has composer John Williams been nominated for? Nominated fifty one. 50. Very good. I knew it was around 50. Holy and I'm like, well, if I got a margin of two. I thought margin of two, I thought you're going to be done. You're going to like pick 15 or something like that. Okay. Now, three films share the record for the most Oscar wins in a single year with 11 Oscars each. Can yeah. you name all three films?
1: No, but I, I'm sure I can name two of them. Go for it Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. One of them,
0: 111, yep. Titanic. That's the second one.
1: The third one was a few years it's, before. I think it's an oldie-goldie. Um, I'm going to guess. Uh, okay, let me, talk, let me talk, talk this one through. Sure. My guesses are going to be either Cleopatra, Wizard of Oz, or Gone with the Wind. I'm going to go with Gone with the Wind. No, I'm sorry, it's Ben-Hur.
0: Ben no, Cleopatra yeah, I don't know that. I don't know okay. I thought Cleopatra was nominated for a bunch of awards no it sucked the largest sweep in Oscar history occurred when this film was nominated for 11 Academy Awards and it won all 11 so yep. building on the last question yeah, which one of those movies won was nominated for 11 and won all 11 it was The Lord of the Rings Return of the King absolutely all right. Two male actors are tied for the most consecutive years with nominations for an acting Oscar. With four straight years nominated for an actor Oscar. Can you name wow. either one of them? Uh, okay. Does it? Uh, we mentioned, uh, we mentioned Bradley Cooper had three, but okay. these two have And, and four I know it's each.
1: not Tom Hanks because he didn't have them in a row. Was uh, Jack Nicholson one of them?
0: No, I'm sorry. Marlon Brando and Al Pacino. Oh, Pacino. Yeah, that makes sense. Brando from 51 to 54 and Pacino from 72 to 75. Okay. It was two actresses though, Derek, that actually share the record for the most consecutive acting Oscar nominations with five. Any chance you can name either one of them? This is even harder. I mean, by the numbers,
1: I would go Meryl Streep, but if it's going to be even harder uh i'll stick with meryl street
0: actually it was betty davis and greer garson sure really at least i've heard of betty davis yeah okay so i'm gonna and and maybe this one is easy i don't know if this one's easy or hard but i'm gonna kind of end with a fun one what saturday night live alumnus has grossed more money at the box office than any other it's it's gotta be it's gotta be Mike Myers.
1: Oh, it's gotta be Eddie Murphy. Oh, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Third time's a charm. Let me hard, think about this. It? Hard. Well, those just seem like the obvious choices. Okay, hold on. I mean, Will Ferrell's been in a lot of stuff, but I don't think it's not. Eat
0: it Will Ferrell?
1: Uh. Okay. Hang on. Let me let me think back. Who was in the original cast? Uh, it's so
0: hard, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, again, because the Marvel stuff. Damn it. Yep. You forget I that he appeared I in the forgot. cast of SNL yeah. during yeah, uh, 85, totally 86 forgot. season. Yeah. God, that season. Oh, remember Joan Cusack and Anthony Michael Hall were in it. Oh, God, it was terrible. Oh, terrible. But yeah, he's he's the Saturday Night Live alumnus that has grossed the most. So. All right. So that was, it was tough. I tried to, I tried to get you on some tough ones. Cause I mean, you really know this stuff, but uh, next week, Derek, we're going to come back with a movie. So uh, it's going to be your turn to nominate some. So what do you got? What are you thinking? All right. So uh,
1: since we did winning streaks this week, that's, mm-hmm. that seems very sports, right? Like you hear winning streak, you think sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, we already mentioned earlier tonight when I was talking about Sandra Bullock, I mentioned uh, the, the movie, the blind side based on the book by Michael Lewis. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to get you to watch another movie based on another book by author Michael Lewis. This one's called Moneyball. Oh, I like baseball. baseball. I'm a baseball. It stars man. Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill and um it is uh, Brad Pitt was nominated for an Oscar. Like it was a legit movie and it was nominated for it, best picture too, wasn't it? I believe it was. I think it was, yeah. It was, yeah, it was nominated up and down. Well, arguably Brad Pitt got robbed for that one, but we'll talk about that
0: next week. Sure. Uh, have you ever seen it? I actually, I actually have. I've seen, I I, I I take that back. I've seen parts of it. Okay. I don't think I've actually sat down and watched the whole thing. I've seen parts of it here and there. And uh, yeah, and I love baseball. So this, this is going to be great.
1: Well, I, and it's one of these ones where, um, because, I mean, you know the premise, it's about the, the use, use of statistics and sabermetrics mm-hmm. to try and change baseball. A lot of the stuff that they talk about, there are visual elements on the screen to support the dialogue. So this is not one of those movies where you want to be playing on your phone while you're watching it. Again, you're a baseball guy. I think you're going to get wrapped right up in the movie and want to watch it anyway. But I'll just tell you that if you're if you're sort of on your phone for half the movie, you are going to miss some of the things that really help this movie go from being good to being great. I hope you enjoy it moneyball starring brad pitt we'll come back next week we'll sure. talk about it uh it's on cable all the time so i'm sure you'll have no problem finding it on one of the on-demand services but uh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward i've probably seen it a dozen times i love it it's been on cable just the last couple of weeks and i always seem to jump in in the middle and so i'm looking forward to watching it from the very beginning again
0: so nice i'm sure the two of us can tackle this one no problem <laughs> And like I say, I'm a, I'm a big fantasy fantasy baseball guy, so this would be great for me. So I'm glad to do it. Well, that. maybe maybe what we can
1: do—no mm-hmm. promises, but yep. I think I have someone who may be a suitable guest star who can come in who also knows baseball and also knows this movie backwards and forwards and i'll I'll reach out and see if i uh, can convince him to come on and if he can great
0: and if not you're gonna get stuck with just the two of us no that's fine i'm always open to have guests come on and talk about uh about uh, anything pop culture related with us especially movies so let's do that but i tell you what derek you reach out to this person this mystery person and if you're able to get them to come and join us that'd be great and if not they'll have to come back with the two of us but until then regardless of who's going to show up or not this is chris McBrian. For Derek Myers, saying, thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.